0: about 75 people out of church so amen brother Gary you've done well your your side multiplied amen I told him at the end I said you' you're all this is all, your whole section you're responsible for the whole section brother Chris you got you're, you're growing amen amen so but thank you for being here with uh, when brother Lewis was here and helping support him you know a lot of people, don't understand the call of the evangelist it's in it's in the book of ephesians it's called the fivefold ministry that he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints so the perfecting of the saints or the completion of the saints takes all of these different ministries to Perform what God is trying to do in His kingdom. So God put it together, and then people don't understand that if an uh, evangelist is not preaching, nine times out of ten, nine point nine times out of ten, he's not getting any money. You know, <clears throat> and then uh, you know they'll they'll talk about it. You know, listen. I want to say this, if you can't get on Facebook and air out how you feel and expect to get criticized, don't get on Facebook. Amen. If you can't handle it, don't dish it out. If you can't swallow it, don't try to feed somebody else. And so then people say they don't understand the call of the evangelists. They say, you know, the evangelists pray for us, we need meetings, blah, blah, blah. And then people come back and say, go get a job. Well, that's very interesting, especially in this time when unemployment in the United States is at 11%, and millions of people are out of a job, and states are still shut down. So it's kind of a difficult situation, but you guys are faithful. This church is faithful, and you're givers, and you're generous, and I appreciate that. Amen. Give yourselves a hand for that. Wake yourselves up. Is everybody awake? Amen. Riker is awake. I heard him. I didn't see him praising with his hands in the air today. I will never forget that as long as I live. I just wish I had a picture of him in the back row, and I thought, man, Riker's even got his hands up. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I kind of moved my bifocals a little bit, and that wasn't his feet at, uh, his hands at all. That was his legs and feet was in the air. <laughs> but somebody was praising back there. Amen. Glory to God. Uh. I'm going, did you find my sermon for today? Okay. I'm going to, there was something that Brother Lewis talked about on, uh, through the, the course of the meetings that services that we had, and it stuck with me, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit more today. And I tell you what, if you missed last Wednesday night, that service last Wednesday night was incredible. It was awesome. I mean, the presence of the Lord moved in here prayer was good last night had a bunch of people here for prayer it was all good uh, I want to talk to you today about something that I want to talk about calling the enemy in calling the enemy in now <clears throat> if there's my friend from the block or from block to no, the sky. This guy couldn't believe preachers are up there carrying pistols. We're going to shooting range. We're going to blow something up. Amen. You guys should have hung around because a couple guys came from Decatur and had an AR-15 in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was nice. I was praying, Lord, please let them keep shooting straight because I'm over here in this booth. Amen. So I want to talk about calling the enemy in today, okay, calling the enemy in. Any, we got anybody that's a hunter in here. You're you're a hunter, right? That's your name. You're a hunter. Okay, good job. Anybody else a hunter? A a mark, a sportsman. You're a hunter. Okay. We live in we live in Illinois, and every every time you say I'm from I'm from Illinois, they say or you're from they say Chicago. We are far from Chicago. Amen. We are thankful that we are far from Chicago. We are very very thankful. Amen. But uh, if you're a hunter, you are, and even even as a, as a, if you're a fisherman, you want to call in your prey. You want to call it in. My I'm not as much a hunter as my brothers are. My nephew is one wicked shot, and, uh, I mean, they, they shoot deer all the time. I believe my nephew, maybe Ginger could help me, my nephew bagged a 24, 25-pound wild turkey had like a 12-inch beard or something. I mean, it was a monster. Huh? Yeah, I mean, Wilbur. Wilbur the turkey. But they tell me that a turkey has a 340-degree range of vision or something. I don't know. Is that true? Huh? 280. See, I was close. 280. I, lo- I was evangelistically speaking there. Okay? So when you go fishing with me, they get bigger as we go. 280 degree range of vision, so you have to know. Uh, you got to get that turkey. You got to call him in. You know, you get that little scratch pad. I don't know if it sounds quite like that or not, but you call in the prey. You um, you you call in a deer. You know, if you want to, if you want a nice big old buck, then you got to tell him that you know it's it's ladies' morning here under this oak tree, and so you're calling in this buck uh, with this uh deer grunt thing right and so you're calling in the prey and you're bringing it in close because when you bring it in close you want to be able to bag it kill it bag it and take it home you know the di- the difference between hunting and fishing is one is an ambush hunting is an ambush okay fishing you have got to find out what those fish want to bite today. you got to find out what they want to eat today. Do they want to eat uh, uh, top water? Do they want to eat, do they do diving? Are they deeper in the summertime because the water is cooler? Do you jig more? You know, do you do all sorts of things? So you have to call in your prey. And Brother Lewis brought something out this past week or two weeks ago about calling in the prey. And I want to go to Exodus chapter 11 today. Exodus chapter 11. And verse number 1, I won't keep you too long, I don't think, but I'm going to try to do my best. And the Lord said unto Moses, yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Now, I want you to notice that the Lord said this, he said, I'm going to send one more plague. Now, some of us would have gotten really aggravated and really distraught at the Lord during this time of uh, Egyptian deliverance because the Lord didn't deliver them right away. It was a process. Now, God is into processes, brothers and sisters. God is into processes. He wants you to not... Just be able to make it and attain the prize, but he wants you to enjoy the journey while you're there because he wants you to learn from the journey. It's like life, okay? It's like life. I I really don't think that you know anything about life until you start hitting about 50, 45 or 50. All the old people said amen. All the young people say no way, no way. And and I think that because you've just been in the process longer. You're learning some things. You're learning that if I would have done it this way, it probably wouldn't have had this result, this probably wouldn't have happened. What was God trying to do here in this process? First of all, they were in slavery 400 years. Okay, that's a long time. That's longer than I have been alive. So they've been in slavery for most of their lives, most of them. And now God is going to do this process of a plague, and Pharaoh's going to harden his heart, and another plague, and Pharaoh's going to harden his heart. And then Pharaoh's going to say, I promise. I promise to let him go after this next plague. And then he'd harden his heart, and Pharaoh would say, no, I'm not going to do it, you know. Pharaoh liked some of the plagues. He liked the plague of frogs. You know that? He liked the plague of frogs because the Bible says that the land was full of frogs. Everywhere there were frogs. There were frogs in the pool skimmers. There was frogs in the microwaves. There was frogs in their beds. There was frogs everywhere. There was frogs on their plate, not frog legs. They were still, they were organic, Mitchell, and they were alive. The frog legs were still there. It's all frog legs, just frogs everywhere. And Moses, Pharaoh calls Moses in and says, you need to get rid of the frogs. And Moses says, okay, when do you want me to do it? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. It's in your Bible. Tomorrow. I heard a preacher preach one more night with the frogs. So what is the process here? Why is God going through all of this process, and why is God trying to do all of this to, to Egypt and to Israel? Why doesn't God just say, I'm going to send in a nuclear weapons, and I'm going to wipe out Egypt, and the children of Israel are going to walk out of here on, uh, on their way to the promised land? Why didn't God do that? Because God is into processes. The first process was they had been in slavery 400 years. The reason they were in slavery is because of a promise God made to a man back in Genesis chapter 12 by the name of Abram. He said, I will make your seed a great nation. He said, in fact, many nations shall come from your loins. And he said, kings shall come from your loins. That's what he said. So what God had to do, if you go to the end of the book of Genesis, is God causes and lets a a famine come, and there's a man by the name of Joseph who ends up in Egypt. Can't get into that story today because that would take too long. But long story short, Joseph's family, which was the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, end up all in Egypt. There's 70 people who go into Egypt. Well. Anybody ever seen a nation of 70 people? If that's that's right, then the Zimmermans are a nation. The Whirlies are a nation, all right? We have people in our families, they think they're kings and queens, amen, but they're really not. Don't you laugh, you've got them in yours too, amen, right? Probably should rewind that and cancel that out of the webcast. So there's 70 people who go into Egypt, but that's not a nation. So God allows this Egyptian slavery for 400 years. And when they do finally come out of Egypt, they come out in the millions. That was a process. God wanted them to grow from a family to nation status. From 70 to millions, and God did it. That's a process. The next process was this. It was uh, ten plagues. There was the water that turned to blood. There was the frogs. There was locusts. There was lice. There was darkness. There was hail that fell from the sky. Hail, ice. And when it hit the ground, it turned into fire and burned the crops. There was all sorts of things. There was, there was, there was beasts that died. There were, and then finally the death angel, the tenth plague. What was God doing? It was another process. Now I'm going somewhere with this. It was another process because God is now judging all the gods of Egypt and showing them that guess what? You are not as strong as everyone thinks you are because there's an invisible God in heaven who is stronger than all of the visible gods that you see in Egypt. So God was now discrediting all of the false gods through that process. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm saying that God is into processes. And if you are sitting here today and you have been through situation after situation and it's not yet ending, if you've been in a journey and a trial and the process seems like it's not ending and you're wondering why, God may be trying to work some things out of us and put some things into us. God may be trying through a process to teach us how to pray, maybe to teach us how to trust, maybe to teach us how to depend, maybe to teach us how to speak. God is trying to draw out of us so he can put into us. Now that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an accomplished runway person with the flashing light on me. And I look back and I see when my grandfather passed away, all that wisdom. When my dad passed away, all that wisdom that just ends in death. It's not like you can take a flash drive and download it from them to you. That would be awesome. And guess what, Addison, when you get to be my age, in my 30s or so, you know, you'll be just as wise as I am, because every day you get up and you do a journey, and you find out those are things you don't want to say to people, those are things you do want to say to people. Why? Because it's a process. And so what God is trying to do is he's trying to draw the enemy into our lives. That's what That's what Brother Lewis was talking about. And I was sitting there on the front row when he was saying that, and I'm thinking, man, that's a crazy thought, that God is trying to draw the enemy out. You don't want the enemy to stay behind the camouflage. You don't want the enemy to stay behind all of the obstacles that, that he can and hide and just attack you quickly and then back up and then hide again. But the enemy, God is trying to draw him out. Because God had a plan for Pharaoh. God had a plan for Egypt. you got to remember this. Egypt was the world superpower at that time. Egypt was the United States of America at the time of world history here. Egypt, nobody messed with Egypt. Egypt was the powerhouse. And God said this, I'm going to bring one more plague. I'm going to continue the process. And afterwards, he's going to let you go. He said not only is he going to let you go, he is going to thrust you out altogether. Let me say this, that I've learned in the process of life, that when God does something in your life and opens doors, he opens them all at one time and he opens them so fast that you cannot believe it. So fast. You know, we're praying, oh Jesus, please help me to do. And when Jesus gets ready to move, he is gonna blast every door open and you're gonna walk through as quick as possible because it's just gonna blow your mind how fast God is doing it. You see, God is trying to work something in each of our lives that we don't know that what the end is gonna be. None of you dreamed you'd be sitting in this church today, 25 years ago. I drove by this church. Multiple times every week. I had a niece that got married in this church. When she got married in this church, this carpet was pink. Real pink. Now it has faded into a neutral color. See, that's like us in life. When we're all young, we are bold colors. We have opinions. We know what's right and what's wrong. We have all the answers. But as you get older, you kind of tame down and you start taking things a little easier. Amen. And so this process that's coming, you don't that God's trying to do in your life, somebody in here is wrestling with something. It's, you've been wrestling with it, and you've been fighting with it, and you've been wondering how, how is this all going to happen. And But God says, when, when I'm done with this process, the enemy is going to leave you alone quickly. The enemy is going to thrust you out completely. It's all going to be done and over with. But guess what? Here's the other thing. God is going to do it where only he can get the glory. Anybody had a big bill you had to pay? So you saved up all that money? You worked overtime? You did extra weekend hours? You did whatever? Saved up that money and paid that big bill? But what happens when you didn't have overtime? What happens when you couldn't work an extra day or two during the week and you didn't have the money and the money came due? And then a, suddenly a check comes in the mail. And then you, you, you know that it only came from God. You know that somebody sends you a check and says, I was just thinking about you. Just wanted to l- give you a little blessing. And there it is. And it's enough to pay the bill. What am I I saying? I'm saying that God is the only one that's going to be able to get the glory when this whole thing comes down, this whole process in our lives. Whatever process you're dealing with, God is the only one going to get the glory. Now, what's what God does here? He said, now speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of his neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Do you not think that God is not going to pay his people after 400 years of free labor, that God is not going to take care of the labor cost? God said, I just want you to go to your neighbor, knock on the door, and say, I just need you to give me all of your jewels of silver and all of your jewels of gold, and if you don't mind, throw in some nice garments and some whatever else that you got that might be handy. You see, God knows what he's doing because God knew that his plan was that guess what I'm going to have them build a tabernacle in the wilderness and that tabernacle on the outside is going to be made out of badger skins and goat skins it's not going to look real pretty on the outside but on the inside it's going to be silver and brass and gold There's going to be lots of stuff, and God said, I want you to go and get your payment for 400 years of slavery. God is into the minute details of your life. God is into the minute details of your process, of what you go through every day. When you sigh at night wondering how you're going to take care of that situation before you fall off to sleep, God heard and felt that sigh. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you today that God is down to the detail in your life but you can't see it because the devil who is the mainstream media in your life is telling you God's not going to help you and God's going to fail you and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. The devil is a liar and you're going to have to start listening to the voice of God because God is into the detail of your situation. Give the Lord some praise if you got some now. God says, not only am I going to get all that money for the back pay for 400 years of free labor, I'm going to get enough that I can build my house. I have not I have to add, Brother Larry's daughter is a banker. She's a loan officer, branch manager. Her name is Kristen. If you need money, go see Kristen. Her number is BR549. Amen. Now, you young kids don't even know what we're talking about, but it's okay. It was in a past life, and it was good. Amen. I'm going to have to ask Kristen, has the Lord ever applied for a loan? with you? The Lord doesn't have to apply for a loan. Amen. The Lord doesn't have to apply for a loan. The Lord says, I'm going to take care of this, and when I do, I'm going to take care of the payment for you, and I'm going to take care of my house as well. Because in the process, God says, I'm going to get the Egyptians on their knees. And when Pharaoh kicks you out, he's not just going to hold the door open and say, thanks for coming, see you later. He's going to thrust you out. You all need to just get on out of here. Just get on out. Look at your neighbor and just tell him, get on out of here. Now tell him, right, right. Get on out of here. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. We'll practice that. All right. Don't price it thought I tell you. In the middle of church, I'll see those legs fly out in the air. Get on out of here. Amen. See, you've got to tell the devil. you gotta, you got to start making statements to the devil. The devil is, if you just push back on the devil, he's a, he's a wounded, defeated enemy already. I don't have time to get into that. He was already defeated at the cross. The devil's already defeated. You're just dealing with nervous twitches and jitters. You ever kill a snake? You know, you kill a snake. My grandpa scared me to death. Killed a snake out there. We were bailing hay and killed a snake out in the field. And I was up there with him. It was on that hillside, Ginger, where I ran the tractor down the, the load of hay and the grandpa down on the hill. Yes. Amen. He, he said, go to another gear. Well, you don't go to another gear when you're going down a hill with the hay wagon pushing you. I don't know what he told me that for. The next words out of his mouth was, hold on, don't let go. And I didn't. I held on. I let. I didn't let go. I held on, but they killed this snake. This snake got caught up in the baler, and he's out there. He's laying in the field, and he's just twitching and jerking. He's dead. My granddad said he gonna do that till the sun goes down. All I could think about was, "Oh God, he gonna do that till the sun goes down." That's all we're dealing with. The devil's already been mortally wounded. We're just dealing with his twitches till the sun rises, amen, till the sun comes up, S-O-N, until it's all said and done. We're just dealing with nervous twitches here. The enemy's already defeated. The devil's a liar. He wants to make you think that you're going to lose. You're not going to lose. You're going to win, amen? So God said, go get all the silver and all the gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. God wants to give you favor, Every morning you ought to be waking up. When you get on, when you get up, amen, if you get up like I do, you get up on the side of the bed and you take your feet and you rub them on the carpet. Drives Amy crazy. Stop rubbing your feet. Oh, God, help us. Lord, you know it's good. I'm just getting wound up. I'm rubbing my feet to get wound up. You ought to get up on the side of your bed and this is ought to be coming out of your mouth. The favor of the Lord shall be on me mightily today. Well, you're not even half awake, I know, but you've already spoken a word over yourself. Amen. Aren't we created in the image of God? Aren't we created in the image of God? How does God operate? By thoughts and what? Words. God spoke it and it happened. Guess what? We have that same ability and power in his spirit to do that. What are you speaking over your life? What are you saying over your life? Are you saying you're dumb, you're stupid, you're ignorant, you're poor? You're not going to make it. We're going to have defeat. It's not going to come out. It's not going to work out. I just can't make it anymore. Why don't you say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? The favor of the Lord is upon me. The goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm talking about somebody needs to take your situation and put it in your mouth and start speaking the word of God over because God said... I'm going to give you favor just like he gave the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. Moreover, Moses was, a very, uh, uh, was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of his people. Pharaoh's servants like Moses. They said, oh, here he comes. I wonder what he's going to do today. Here comes Moses. Now, Moses wasn't real eloquent. Moses stuttered. Moses had a speech problem. You know, Moses had problems. Anybody here got problems? All but one has problems because they're all, all the rest of you lied. You didn't even raise your hand. I know all of you have. Thank you, Riker. <laughs> I'm driving a carpool of teenagers and preteens to school one day. And I'm, I'm going down the road, and I'm trying to impart godly wisdom into all these kids. Now, that's a project, isn't it? And I'm talking to one of them, and one of them looks at me and says, Brother Tracy, everybody has problems. You know what? I stopped my lesson that day because he said more in that line to me than I could have the, re- the other 30 miles of that carpool trip. And I have never forgotten. Everybody has problems. We all have problems. We all have weaknesses. We all had to brush our teeth. If not, you better. Amen? I'm not even telling you. I was driving along one day in a car with somebody. I'm not telling you who it was because it would embarrass them. And I'm driving, and my smeller's not very good. But I said, ooh, man, something smells like a horse in here. And my passenger said, uh. I said, did you brush your teeth? Uh. No. Well, then you are making it smell like a horse in here. Hallelujah. I'm not telling you who it was. What wasn't Amy. Amen. What was She's good. We all have weaknesses. We all fail. We all fall down. But the magic is when you fall down, just get back up again. Amen. You don't have to fall down and stay down. You don't have to. Keep beating yourself down and saying, I'm no good, and I'm bad, and all that I'm ugly, and I'm, I, oh, I just hate myself. Some of you look in the mirror, and you look at yourself, and you can't even stand looking at yourself. The Bible says Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. How can you love your neighbor if you don't even love yourself? And you have low self-esteem and you have all this inferiority complex and all of this business. Moses was a stutterer. Moses tried to get out of it. Moses doubted. He said, God, I cannot do this. Send Aaron. Well, God said, God knew, when he said, Aaron ain't got what it takes. Moses, you got what it takes, but I'll send Aaron if you want him to. Because God already knew that Aaron, while Moses was getting the Ten Commandments, was going to be dancing naked around the golden calf down in the valley. Oh, that's in there. It's in there. And God knew whatever he needed, he had it in Moses, but Moses had all these weaknesses, he thought. But when it came down to it, when Moses was walking in the process of God, You see, he had favor with the Egyptians, he had favor with the the Israelites, he had favor with everybody. When you walk in, stop fighting the process. Oh, I'm feeling the Lord right now. Stop fighting the process in your life and start walking in it and God will give you exactly what you need to walk successfully through that process until he brings you to the other side. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. And the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's not gonna listen to you. I'm telling you, he's not gonna listen to you. Now I'll tell you what some of you would like to do. Some of you are gonna walk out on church and God and say, I ain't going back. God has told me nine times that it's gonna happen. And, and, and now he's telling me he still ain't gonna listen. I'm just going to go out and get drunk. Going to get a tear in your beard. What are you trying to do? God's got a process. Moses ain't going to listen to you. Or Pharaoh, he's not going to listen to you, Moses. I'm telling you, he's not going to listen. But you see, God had a plan. God's trying to draw Pharaoh out. God's trying to bring him out. Amen. God's trying to bring him out in that process. We've went through plague after plague after plague. The first two or three plagues, Pharaoh's magicians could do the same thing. I believe it was the fourth plague, maybe with the lice, where they tried to do it and they couldn't do it. And Pharaoh's magicians said, this is the finger of God. Right there, all of those idol worshipers now proclaimed that there was an invisible God that was doing this that was more powerful than them. We have to remember that we cannot depend on what we see. You cannot depend on what you see as gospel. Anybody ever cut down a tree? Okay. All right. Now I'm not gonna say everybody's lying in here because I don't I doubt that Macy's ever cut down a tree. Have you cut down a tree, Macy? Oh, Lord, a small one. I didn't even know where it was. No, that's what happened to that tree in the yard. Maybe a small one. Uh When you cut down a tree and it's laying on the ground, those leaves still look alive. You come back the next day, it still looks alive. And the next day, how many days? It's several days until finally those leaves start to show the signs of death. How many of you ever got sick? Had to take medicine. And you're taking the medicine, and the first couple days you take it, you still don't feel much better until it finally kicks in. You take a, listen, I take, when I get a headache, Brother Johnny, I take some pills, right? And immediately the headache's gone. I mean, immediately. I mean, I don't know if the pills have left my tongue yet. Is it in my head? Probably. Well, wow, I'm thinking that's either some powerful medicine, some ibuprofen, or it was on my head in the first place. Well, I had a headache, so it is in your head. And so you take this, and it, it doesn't look like it's going to leave. And this process that Moses is going through, we go time after time after time, and God says, he's not going to leave. He's going to harden your and In fact, God starts playing against Moses, and he starts saying, I have hardened Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes God will let the situation continue in our lives because He wants to continue to work the process in our lives to get some stuff out of our lives. That we can learn how to wait, that we can learn how to be patient, that we can learn how to take our hands off of the situation. And God said, I'm not gonna, He's not gonna let you go because I want my wonders to be multiplied in the land of Egypt. God wants to multiply himself through your situation. Okay? God wants to multiply yourself through uh, himself through your situation. Now look at this. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? The Lord. Why? Why? As Brother Lewis would say, I heard it over and over for weeks. Why? Why? Why did the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? The Lord's supposed to be on my side. The Lord's supposed to be working for me because the Lord's trying to draw the enemy in. He's trying to bring him in here. I want to get him in here. Listen, you can't, you can't shoot a deer at three to 400 yards and have a guarantee that you're going to have an accurate shot. So when you're in a deer stand, you've already got you a spot cleared out that if you can get that big old buck to walk into that opening, he's a goner. I would never bow hunt. If you're a bow hunter, my hat is off to you because, number one, I don't like chasing things that far. See what I mean? I want to I get him in the open. I want to take him out. So God's saying, I want just be patient. Just let me. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. That's what the Word says. Amen. Amen. Anybody going through a process today? Anybody going through some trouble today? Anybody got a situation today that you're trying? God says, I have hardened his heart. And they did all, I've hardened his heart so that he will not let the children of Israel go out of his land. He's not going to do it, friends, until I say it's done. And like I said, when God gets ready to open the door, God does it quick and God does it fast. And we jump down from chapter 11 to chapter 14. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. They are now been thrust out of the land of Egypt. They have walked out of there with all the gold. I'm getting ready to close. They have walked out of there with all the silver. God has paid them all the back pay, hallelujah, of their ancestors, generation and generation and generation before them that worked and worked and worked and toiled. You know, sometimes you might say, I don't, I'm not getting paid for this. But God's always keeping count. God's always keeping track. And God is going to pay. It may not come when you think it's going to come. It may not come in the way you think it's going to come. But God is going to pay back and pay up. And they walked out of there with all that money and all that wealth and everything and the favor of the Lord was upon them. Now they're at the Red Sea. Now they're at the Red Sea. I didn't put the Scripture in before this. Okay? But the Scripture before it, is the children of Israel complaining. Oh, we should have stayed in Egypt. Oh, we should have stayed and ate the cucumbers and the garlic and the leeks and the onions and the melons. They even got so spiritual and said, If we were in Egypt, at least we'd have a place to get buried. Now listen, these guys have just seen the death angel. They have just seen all the wealth transferred from Egypt to them. They have walked out of there in the millions. Amen. Do you remember the movie Ten Commandments with old Brother Charlton? Right? Remember Grandpa on his crutch? That's not biblical because there was a mass healing that came that night of Passover, and God healed every one of them, and they all walked out upright and strong. You see, when God does it, he takes care of every aspect of your life. When God He takes care of every aspect. He'll even wash behind your ears, and he'll get the wax out of your ears as well. Hallelujah. He'll take care of every situation. They walked out of there in strength, and they walked out in health. Hallelujah. They walked out with wealth. They walked out with a promise, and they're at the Red Sea now, and here comes Pharaoh's army behind them, and they're all freaking out, and they're saying, man, we had grave plots. They look at Millie. Millie, they say, oh, oh, Willard said to Millie, Millie, we had grave plots there in Egypt. Now we're going to die by a Red Sea. Well, Pharaoh's not going to kill them. He's their, they're his slaves. He wants to take them back. A dead slave ain't no good. That's not good English. Isn't any good. They're not going to kill you. Guess what? The process won't kill you. The process won't kill you. The process. You're going to survive. You're going to make it. So they're at the Red Sea. Moses says this. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Let's all stand. If you let God do the process in your life, if you let God bring the enemy into you, sometimes it feels like, I mean, you just can't even breathe. The presence of the enemy is so suffocating. You just can't even breathe, and, and situation after situation has went against you and wrong, and it doesn't make any sense, and a sensible person would look at all the whole situation and say, it doesn't make any sense. Go to the book of Job. Look at Job. His situation didn't make any sense at all, and he had three friends who sat there and stared at him for seven days and couldn't say a word. I don't know if those are good friends or bad friends. Sometimes friends that don't say anything are even better. It's when they open their mouth, and it's like, oh, here we go. I'm talking about the process. I'm talking about God wants to do something in your life, but he's trying to draw the enemy out that, guess what, you will never see him ever, ever again. I want you to say this. Say this, ever, ever. Say it again, ever, ever, ever. Ever, 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 ever. You'll never see him ever, 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 ever again. You're never going to see the enemy ever, ever, ever again. But you've got to go through the process. You've got to let God handle the process until he can draw that enemy out to where God has got that clear shot. Hallelujah. And when Pharaoh when listen, guess what happens? God will work for you divinely. God will take, my Lord, he's already done frogs, locusts, killed cows, sent ice and turned into fire you know, destroyed buildings, burned down crops. He already did all that. He turned the blood, water into blood, and the rivers and the lakes, everywhere was blood. He, he He did all of the plagues. He did all that. And when there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Israel. When there were flies in Egypt, there were no flies in Israel. God always takes care of his people. God always provides for his people. And when it looked like they were going to be taken back captive, God said, stand still and see the salvation and what I'm going to do, Moses. And God put a flaming fire pillar between Egypt and the Israelites. And lo and behold, a wind began to blow and it opened up that Red Sea and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. Say dry, dry Dry ground. Dry ground. ground. Yes. Now you're going to to be an internet sensation. Oh, my Lord. Dry ground. Dry ground. And when the Israelites' last foot hit that other shore, and God's taking that barrier, see, God's going to protect you. You see what he's doing? The Egyptians couldn't get to the Israelites because of that pillar of fire. And God's protecting his people and giving them a way of escape. What does the word say in the New Testament? There is no temptation overtaking you, that which is common to man, but he will also make a way of escape. It's in 2 Corinthians. Is it 2 Corinthians? Somebody, First or 2 Corinthians. It's in there. that he's going to make a way of escape for you. And when the children of Israel got to the other side and the Egyptians were down in the midst of the Red Sea, God said, okay, I've got you in the spot where I want you. I'm taking a breath and I'm holding it and I'm getting ready to pull the trigger. And when God pulled the trigger and the walls of water started coming down, there is no way to get around it. You know, a big find, archaeological find, archaeological find, a few years ago in the Red Sea, was chariot wheels. I wonder where they came from. I believe angels pulled those chariot wheels off of those chariots. And guess what? We heard from Egypt no more. So whatever process you're in, let's close our eyes and bow our heads just for a minute. Whatever process you find yourself in today, God may be using that process to bring your enemy out once and for all. God may be using that process to bring the enemy out one more time to where he can get a clear shot that you'll see him again no more. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying some of you have dealt with an ongoing process, an ongoing situation, It just keeps happening over and over. And it seems like there's no relief from it. But God's wanting to bring you out. And say, if you just hang on, you just hang on. I'm going to bring the enemy right where I want him. I'm going to bring him to that opening. And when I bring him to that opening, I will take care of him once and for all. He's giving you provision. He's giving you protection. He's just asking you to be patient and let me do what I want to do. Let me do what I want to do. Hallelujah. I want you to listen to this song.
1: You don't have to worry and don't you be afraid. Joy comes in the morning. Troubles, they don't last always. Remember, there's a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. So if your heart is broken, just raise your hands and say, Bring you down. If your friends and loved ones, they are nowhere to be found. Remember, there's, a friend, oh, there's Jesus a friend in Jesus who will wipe your tears away. So if your heart is broken, just raise your hands and say. Oh, yeah. I know
0: Lay it down. Lay it down. Anybody want to lay something down at the altar today? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's sing it again. those weaknesses that we all deal with we all deal with it we're all human we all have situations and circumstances and we all have fear and we all wonder and we all have doubt and worry amen we all have it but don't worry he protected them and gave them time to cross the Red Sea he opened up the Red Sea that they could cross And when he had the enemy right in his sights where he wanted him, he let the water fall again, back to its natural borders. You see, God's got a process. He's working in all of us. Let him continue to do it. Now the enemy's going to say, yeah, but your situation is different. No, 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 no. Your process is different. No, it's not. It's not. God's got a plan for each of our lives. God's got a way, and God's got a purpose. And the whole purpose is this, that when it's said and done, two things. Number one, the enemy and that thing that has been after you all this time, you will see him again no more. That's the first one. And the next one is God is going to get all the glory. Because man couldn't open a red sea up. Man couldn't put the pillar of fire there to block it all off. It's all going to have to be a God thing. And someone explained this to me years ago about the glory of God. And he says, you know what? God wants to make sure that you are not able to say at all that I did anything. That it's all Him. That it had to be all Him. That it was all Him. Amen. Amen. Let's sing that again before we leave, would you? I know I can make it.
1: I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in His hands. And I know that I can make it.